Happy Holidays from the DSR Network. We are deeply appreciative of our members and the year that we've had. To celebrate the holiday season, we are offering a 50% discount on either your first month or first year of membership. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the members-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of December, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month or for the first year. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSRHOLIDAY at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSRHOLIDAY. Thank you very much for your support. Hello and welcome to The Daily Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Rothkopf, joined by your other co-host. That's why we're called co-hosts. One of them is Chris Cotwer. How are you doing, Chris? Doing well, thank you. And the other is Riley Fessler. How are you doing, Riley? Not too bad. And what's your first story for today, Chris? So I have a flurry of uh, Senate updates. Seems like they were busy yesterday. The first is um, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is expected to bring a piece of legislation to ban assault weapons. Uh, the, the previous bill or the previous law ex, uh, expired 20 years ago. Um, it's seen as a long shot, but at least we're taking some action on that front. The second story is Tommy Tuberville has finally relented in his blockage of uh, military promotions for the most part, he still says he's going to block the most senior uh, general appointments, um, but at least that's progress and the Senate moved quickly uh, to confirm those promotions. The third is that Zelensky was uh, supposed to appear in front of Congress yesterday in front of the Senate to um, you know, make his plea for Ukraine aid, and that was canceled because... Uh, they can't get their shit together, um, and it appears that we're on the brink of having uh, Ukraine aid falter unless the Democrats agree to add strict measures to clamp down on migration at the U.S. border. And the final story is um, Schumer uh, tweeted back at uh, Senator Thomas Massey um, asking him to pull down a tweet uh, that was uh, anti-Semitic, um, which I don't necessarily think he did. Um, you can go on Twitter and see the tweet for yourself. Um, but yeah, the busy day in the Senate yesterday. Well, you know, um, busy and productive are two different things. The the Tuberville uh, uh, uh you know, issue, you use the right word. He's like a blockage. He's like an intestinal blockage in our national digestive system. Um, and uh, the real story there is not that the Senate finally put them through this through. The real story there is that the members of the Senate decided not to do away with this ridiculous privilege that let him do it because they want to preserve the right that each one of them has this privilege in the future. It's not in the Constitution. Senators don't have the right to block this stuff. It's simply a tradition in the rules of the Senate 
um, which is designed to turn these elected individuals into, uh, you know, super empowered little kings and queens. It's ridiculous. And one of many Senate rules, like the filibuster rule, that ought to be changed. Um, you know, glad those generals and admirals were approved. Uh, there, there are over 400. There's still 10 to go. He just took 10 four stars who he considers too woke. So all of a sudden, we're now using political screening for military leaders. Uh, one thing I read about this yesterday suggested, you know, this is all part of the staging for Trump. This is part of his plan to purge the government of people who are not loyal to him um, and to prepare the people for that. And if you want to read more about that, I do strongly encourage you to go read the current issue of The Atlantic, which talks about uh, the threat posed by the return of Trump uh, with multiple uh, articles from multiple experts. Um, and, uh, you know, some of us have been warning about this for a long time. I think I wrote my first article about this in 2015 or perhaps even 2014. Um, but um, I'm glad people are waking up because the reality is if you're a critic of Donald Trump, if you're in the media and you're a critic, if you're publicly a critic of Donald Trump on social media, if you are an activist who've been working against Donald Trump, it is no longer out of the question to think that within a year or two years, if he were elected, you could end up in jail. You could end up in a camp. You could end up falling off a balcony like they do in Russia. This is what he's threatening. Cash Patel was on the Steve Bannon show threatening this the other day. Uh, you know, a person who was a senior Trump official, uh, people like Steve Miller and Trump himself have suggested this. Trump just the other day made a speech in which he said, um, you know, I will not be a dictator except maybe on my first day in office, which was not comforting. And people need to wake up to the threat. Riley, have you woken up to the threat? Uh, I'm I'm always woke to the threat, David. Uh, that's what I, that's what I like about you: constant <laughs> paranoia, constant vigilance, as as the yeah, term I vigilant. prefer. But paranoia will yeah. do. Yeah, vigilance, paranoia—it's <laughs> all the same. Close enough. Speaking of the threat, um, prosecutors working for special counsel Jack Smith have submitted a new court filing for. Trump's impending criminal trial in Washington. Um, this one goes further than the indictment submitted in August and says they intend to introduce evidence of his acts before the 2020 presidential election, his subsequent alleged threats uh, to establish motive, intent, preparation for attempting to subvert the election. Um, so it also says that they will submit evidence that Trump knowingly sent supporters who he knew were angry and violent, like the Proud Boys, uh, to the Capitol for the purpose of illegally blocking the certification of the election. So it's just another another obstacle for Trump, uh, legally speaking. But I do think it's interesting that this filing goes further than the previous one um, and is, I think, more aggressive in trying to go after Trump. Um, but I'm curious your thoughts on that, David. Curious? Are you really curious? Do you, do you have any doubt at all what my thoughts are about that? I mean, it's a I mean, formality. Yeah, no, it. yeah, right. You're just being polite. The reality is this. 
Here is a guy who abused power while in office, was corrupt while in office, was impeached twice while in office, and then led a coup attempt against the United States. He didn't sit by and watch as other people led the coup. He conceived it. He worked with the coup planners. He approached it at many levels. He sought to overturn the election results in multiple different ways. He sent out an army of lawyers to do it. He stirred up groups like the Proud Boys for weeks beforehand. He stirred them up on the day. He tried to get his vice president to do it. And we all saw it. Again, one of the things that I find most astonishing about all of this is that it is now December 2023. We saw all of this happening in December and in January of um, 2020 and 2021. And he's still out there walking around. He hasn't been held to account. The people who planned this thing haven't really been held to account. Now, a couple of the trials that are likely to take place at some point about um, his misdeeds may not take place till after the election. You know, the, the, this uh, Judge Eileen Cannon in Florida looks like she is going to slow walk the trial about his mishandling of nuclear secrets um, until it happens after the election. So the American people won't get to know. Uh, there's more evidence that, you know, people on the Hill are, 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 are working to protect him. Uh, uh, Mike Johnson, an election denier who's now the Speaker of the House, has recently said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and put some of these videos about January 6th up on the TV, but I'm going to blur the faces of the rioters so that the Justice Department doesn't come after them. You know, that's called obstruction of justice, okay? And all of this is happening. uh, And meanwhile, some people in the Republican Party go, yeah, go throw him in jail. I'll support him anyway. Prove he's a felon. Prove he threatened our national security. Prove he ran a coup. I'll support him anyway. You know why? Because they supported the coup. Because they don't want there to be democracy in the United States anymore. And this is not an extremist political harangue, as Jeffrey Goldberg said when he was the editor of The Atlantic when he was presenting this issue. This is not about Republicans and Democrats. It's not about normal political discourse. It's about abnormal political discourse. It is about as uh, was said once long ago about another crisis, about a cancer growing, not on the presidency, but on our entire democratic uh, system. And if people are not awake to this, as you indicated you were, Riley, and I'm comforted by that, but if people are not awake to this, um, uh, wake up now. Uh, things, things, Big changes could be on the horizon. This this might not be the same country next January, a year from January, um, if, if, if people don't take this seriously. Obviously, we record these in the morning, and obviously, I got up on the wrong side of bed. So careful. What's your next story, Chris? Uh, tonight, some of your favorite people will be debating in the, the uh, GOP debate that will be airing on... Um, News uh, Nation. Come on, if you don't know what, what is News Nation? I was just going to say, if you don't know what News Nation is, don't worry. Not lots of people do. Uh, they boast an audience of around ninety nine thousand viewers, though I would expect this to be higher. Uh, former classmates, <laughs> complete Megan bullshit. Kelly. That's complete. Will bullshit. be one of the moderators. There's, there's no way they get ninety nine thousand viewers. But I am glad yeah. your former classmate Megan Kelly 
Did she at Syracuse show the signs of becoming a great political leader that she has today? Um, I'm sure she did. She, she, uh, she became a lawyer, you know. She was a lawyer at first. Oh, she was. Until I, I had no idea. Until Britt Hume discovered her and uh, and launched her career at Fox. In any case, the debate's going on tonight. Um, feel free to watch or or not. There's four candidates left. Desant or who qualified? Desantis, Haley, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, David's boy, and Chris Christie. Oh my God. What would like what are you doing? Don't poke the bear. Fuck Christ's sakes. Vivek Ramaswamy is not my boy, but none of those people have any chance of becoming president. The only one who has the chance of challenging Trump at this point is Nikki Haley. Um uh and she is, you know, she's one of those, you know, uh candidates who will say anything. And some days she sounds like she's standing up to Trump, and some days she sounds like she's kissing the hem of his garment. Um, and, uh, you know, the reality is, uh, contrary to everything that I believed, you know, just a few weeks, like five weeks from now, the primary start, it's going to prove that Trump is going to be the candidate. Trump. I mean, what's going on here? Can't these people read? Um, I, you know, it's like, Hey, that car is over there. It's on fire. And it's, heading at 90 miles an hour for a cliff. Let's jump into it. Um, but that's where we are in American politics today for at least, uh, I don't know, 40, 45% of America's voters. Not you, Riley. I know it's not you. I know you will not jump into a burning car heading for a cliff at 90 miles an hour, right? Uh, it depends if my friends are doing it too. I'm a follower, if nothing else. Oh, that's great. That's so great. <laughs> That is that America. There you, there you have it. He's and he's from Ohio, folks. That explains everything you need to know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad maybe. you're hanging out with us because we're a good influence. We'll see. So my second story, um, news from Israel, but actually a little bit different from kind of the latest headlines. Um, the U.S. announced visa bans over violence in the West Bank. Um, so they are imposing visa bans on those that are involved with violence in the uh, West Bank um, after attempts to persuade the Israeli government to act have failed. Uh, Secretary of State Blinken said in a statement that the new restriction policy targets, quote, individuals believed to have been involved in undermining peace, security, or stability in the West Bank. Um, and it comes after repeated warnings by Biden and other U.S. officials um, over violence by Israeli settlers. And that's spiked uh, following the October 7th attack. Um, State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller said the ban will affect dozens of people um, and potentially their family members. Um, so I think it's an interesting move, uh, given we've seen the administration kind of take a more firm stance in, in recent days and weeks, um, over Gaza. Um, so I'm interested to see how this plays out. Um, it's kind of an area that hasn't been talked about as much as given everything else going on. Well, it's not certainly on the administration's mind. I know for a fact, um, because I've spoken to people who are involved in the process, that when the vice president spoke to the president of Israel, when she spoke to uh, Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the Palestinian Authority, 
issues in the West Bank were at the forefront, the violence in the West Bank, the threats in the West Bank, uh, some of the statements made by uh, the Netanyahu cabinet about the West Bank. And I have to tell you, if we were really serious about penalizing those who are uh, waging this campaign of violence, intimidation, dislocation uh, on the West Bank, uh, then a bunch of members of the Netanyahu cabinet and the prime minister of Israel would also have their visas to the United States revoked because they are architects of it. They are cheerleaders of it. They're behind it. Um, uh, We are heading to a very difficult point in the U.S.-Israel relationship as uh, over the next few weeks, fighting in the South looks like it's going to be very intense. Casualties are going to be very high. Destruction is going to be very high. The administration is trying to push back on that. There is not much uh, sign that the Israelis are uh, listening. Um, And, you know, you only have to look at the data uh, provided by independent bodies and not just by those who are affiliated with, say, Hamas, to see that the destruction here is unparalleled, the worst that we've seen in a, in a conflict like this in uh, many decades. Uh, if ever, um, uh, there are 2.2 million Palestinians, 1.8 million of them have been dislocated. Over 100,000 houses, buildings in uh, Gaza have been destroyed. Uh, yes, we know that 15 to 16,000 people have died, 8,000 um, uh, 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 kids, 70% of the victims have been women and children. Uh, but there have been tens of thousands, 30, 40,000 um, uh, of uh, the the citizens of, 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 of Gaza who have also died. Uh, the military gains uh, have included, uh, according to the Israelis, uh, uh, eliminating five mid-level uh, Hamas leaders um, uh, and uh, perhaps 5,000 people who they have designated as Hamas fighters out of a total number that's probably between 30 and 40,000. Um, that's not nothing. Uh, but there is absolutely no sign that this devastating military campaign is actually going to lead to Israel being any safer. Um, and it is more likely to lead to the, 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 the Palestinian-Israeli uh, conflict being a bigger festering wound uh, 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 in, the, in the region um, until big changes occur. Um, uh, notable among those changes is the, the Prime Minister of Israel's got to go, and the leadership of the Palestinian Authority, which is really the only group that can step in uh, and speak politically for Palestinians in both the West Bank and Gaza, have got to go. Uh, and there have got to have been new leaders there, and that is extremely, extremely delicate. But unless those things happen, and it looks like there's a real track towards a solution, I don't think the regional powers are going to pony up any money uh, to help with the rebuilding. And the rebuilding of Gaza is going to take billions and billions of dollars. Right now, most of Gaza is uninhabitable. So what happens? What happens then? Uh, We shall uh, see. But the next few weeks are going to be super challenging in this regard. Um, uh, And uh, and we're, we're going to track it closely here. Chris? 
and yet another example of politics creeping into literally every crevice of our lives, Ron DeSantis at a news conference uh, announcing the Florida State budget, Florida State Seminoles College budget, um, he essentially uh, said that he's setting $1 million aside to sue the college football playoff committee because of Florida State snub. Um, if you didn't know, over the weekend, the committee selected the four top teams or seemingly selected the four top teams, six teams for four spots. Somebody was going to get screwed, in this case, Florida State who went undefeated in the ACC and won their conference championship, did not make the playoff. Uh, but suing the college football playoff committee uh, seems like a vast waste of time. Um, the measure still has to be approved. Uh, the budget still needs to be approved by their Congress. Um, but this is laughable. Uh, it's laughable, but you have to agree that what happened to Florida State was indefensible. You know, if you don't let the games get decided on the field, you know, they can't be decided by a bunch of old men sitting in a room uh, determining who they think is valuable. As we've seen many times uh, in history, their logic, which was that they lost their quarterback, so they're not really as good as uh, they used to be, and so they're not worthy. Um, that that's been you know overcome. There have been teams with backup quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl. There have been teams with backup quarterbacks that have won the national championship. This is ridiculous. I'm offended, and you, Chris, as a ACC graduate, should also be offended. Are you? I'm slightly offended. I just think it was a it was a no win situation. I I would have left Texas off to be honest. Well, that's fine. And included Florida State you gotta, and If a Alabama. team is in a Power 5 conference and wins all its games and wins its conference championship, it should be in. Fortunately, of course, we know none of this matters because A, college football doesn't matter, and B, um, uh, yeah, as of next year, they're going to move to a 12-team format, which would mean all of these teams will be in and we will never have this problem again. However, what was interesting yesterday and a part of this story that you missed, and I'm not going to go too far down the sports rabbit hole, although we're tempted to do it every day, is that the NCAA, the group that oversees all of college sports, yesterday suggested that Division I athletes should be able to be paid, um, uh, which is quite a big deal um, and uh, inevitable, given that it's really just a big business and there's no reason why the people who are the stars of the business should be excluded. While you know people like who are big coaches are getting ridiculous NFL level salaries of many, many, many millions of dollars a year, um, and are the highest paid people on the university payrolls. So it's a change. Um, Riley, I also want to congratulate you on the triumph of your alma mater in the MAC 10 championship, which I believe is a championship among a bunch of cheeseburgers. But I mean, <laughs> it's actually um, 50, like 50% Ohio teams. So close enough. Fantastic. It's fan It's fantastic. And we are proud of you. We all cheered for you. Yeah. For what's your last, my personal accomplishment of Miami well, winning the MAC. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you know, I'm still rooting. I'm still very proud of the fact that 
Columbia when I was like five years old, you know, got to the, you know, some advanced round of the NCAA basketball championships. <laughs> uh, they won the Super Bowl like in 1938 or something like that. So, I mean, the the Rose Bowl, excuse me, in like 1938. So, uh, I take a lot of pride in that. I'll, yeah, I'll be I'll be riding the high of of Miami being a football school again for for years to come. Yeah. By the way, folks, he means Miami of Ohio. Yeah, the original Miami. Yeah, not the not the U, which is, let's just be honest, you know, became so corrupt as a football school that it 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 ceased to be, um, a, a, you know, credible competitor in this sport. Uh, what what's your last story? I see sports as a slope. I apologize. Everybody's going to write in. Oh my God! Please, no sports in all of this. But uh, I, uh, I, it's just you know, it's there always, just lurking beneath the surface. Just a just a quick good news story. Uh, U.S. gas prices are the lowest they've been since January, uh, and experts say they could fall below three dollars per gallon for the first time since 2021 uh, before Christmas. Um, so, just good news. Uh, Part of the reason for this, global oil supplies are less strained than they were at the beginning of the war in Ukraine. Uh, the price of oil is down, even though there's been fresh supply cuts by OPEC. Um, U.S. production of gasoline has seen a boost with uh, motor uh, inventories at a 2% boost in supply. So just good news all around. Uh, experts say that this could boost the consumer confidence index, which actually rose for the first time last month after three consecutive months of decline. So just seems like good rebound and recovery. Hopefully it will reflect positively on the Biden administration, but we will see. It will, although I live in Washington, D.C., and I got to tell you, the gas station that I live near, prices are never going down there. They're in their own world. I mean, it's, you know, for premium gasoline, it's always $5 a gallon or more. It's just they don't care. They, and this is, you know, here in Washington. So that's why I think a lot of people around here are cranky. Um, is that all we got? There are no other stories. There's nothing else for us to discuss this day. Well, we'll look for other things to discuss. Of course, we've got the mothership of all of our podcasts, the hugely popular and influential deep state radio, uh, coming a little later today in which we're going to talk about what's going on in the Middle East and elsewhere, uh, with a number of people, including our friend Alon Pincus of Haaretz and the uh, brilliant and charming and witty Rosa Brooks of Georgetown University Law Center. Uh, and we've got other very interesting discussions coming up this week, including with Jeffrey Sonnenfeld of the Yale School of Management, who's got great perspectives on a wide variety of different things, as you've heard in the past here. And then, of course, everybody's favorite, We're All Gonna Die Radio, which just focuses on the intersection of technology and defense issues. Um, and thanks to the great inputs of my co-host, John Wolfstall, uh, we're able to find the apocalypse uh, wherever it lurks. And it's everywhere, folks. It's all around you. It's all around John Wolfstall anyway, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, for now, in the, you know, as you head off to Christmas parties this week, uh, enjoy the parties and then come back here for a dose of reality. Uh, we'll be grateful. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody, for listening.